RP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast, episode number 93. As uh, my second little line I always ask every week, if you're watching on YouTube, leave us a review, iTunes, Spotify, whatever. Just say nice things if you can. And if you don't like us, don't say anything. It costs nothing. Don't cost a penny to be nice. And of course, subscribe to VIP Boxing's YouTube. I'm Steve Lillis, and with me, my co-host, as always, John Evans with his Chicago Bears crash helmet and all sorts of memorabilia. Special guest tonight, I think it's his third or fourth visit to the pod as our as our main man. It's um well, he's a matchmaker, manager, trainer. He's held every boxing license professional with a boxing board of control, apart from the MC's license. And tonight he's um you can see he's dressed to the nines at the Birmingham <laughs> Film Festival. It's John Pegg. John, you're looking very smart there at the Birmingham Film Festival for us tonight. I'm just here to support some filmmakers, so I'm just sitting at the back and interrupting to do podcasts. So, yeah. you know, I don't think I don't, I don't think I'll be smart for me out like my own funeral. I just, you know, <laughs> you know me. And was your film shown the other night at the festival? Saturday it was shown Saturday. How did it go down? Yeah, well, it, you know, obviously I'm going to say that, but it went really well. Got a really good reception, and it's nice for the actors to see because it's on an IMAX screen here. Oh, so he's on a right. hundred foot screen. So you know, it, it was it was good, good fun. And I saw um, I think one that a sat the other Saturday flicking through channels, and your daughter Kia popped up on a BB. It might be on the children's channels, and I was flicking through the Sky platform the other two Saturdays ago. Yeah, she's been doing a lot of presenting. She's down in Wales with BAFTA this week, and when she's not presenting, she's got a regular job on Doctor. So she's she's been having a good eighteen months, to be honest. Brilliant. John, brilliant. John, you know when you did your film, John, did it? Did you think, oh, thank God that's over and done with? It was a load of hard work, or did it give you the bug? Have you have you started planning the next one slowly in your mind? No, it was it was quite easy. I've done it over three mornings. Like I've done, I've made features and stuff that have, have take a lot more planning. This was a thirty-six minute film. I've done it over three mornings. It was a really good cast and crew to work with. I I, I literally do them for pleasure. Right. It's such good fun after boxing. Like everyone else on the set gets really stressed and they can't understand why I'm so relaxed. <laughs> and I'm like, try matching four shows in one weekend and you'll understand what stress is, you know what I mean? Do you have, do you have to start phoning around for um, an Eastern European extra to sweep the floors <laughs> and stuff? I've actually, had, I've actually had, on the morning of a shoot, a guy didn't turn up, I'm cursing him out and it turned out his grandmother had died at four o'clock in the morning. So I'm like, oh God, I feel bad now but I've still got to get on with this. And this is where my kind of boxing experience kicks in. We had a photographer on set who I knew had a little bit of acting experience. So he turns up, I says, put your camera down, you're acting. And he ended up playing the role on the film. The photographer who's <laughs> just coming to take some pictures ended up being one of the talking roles. So you just got to be ready to adapt just like boxing. I tell you what, that beats having to call Derek Waddell or Oscar Milky Tass, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I, I, I think they'd probably lose something in trans translation. <laughs> they'd definitely charge you too much, to be honest. With so, flights. Yeah, with flights from Canning Town. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll kick on with this. Uh, John, you've got, or John Evans, you've got your bell and everything there to set off because you're going to start us this week, Mr. Evans, and your friend Denzel Bentley this weekend. Yeah, Denzel's got a tough task this weekend, hasn't he? He's been over in Las Vegas for a couple of weeks getting ready for this. Um, Middleweight title fight against Yanni Beck. And what a tough ask. What a tough, tough task this is. Um, do you know what? I'm a little bit disappointed they've jumped straight into it. I know world title fights don't come around 
every day, did he? And sometimes you've got to jump at it. But I thought Denzel looked like a really good British champion when he fought Marcus Morrison. And I would have liked him to have continued rebuilding after that Felix Cash loss. And the world title would have been there next year. You know, Denzel was up in the rankings. But they've jumped at it. I'm not sure how he's going to go about it. Does he go to war with Yanni Beck and risk getting done himself? Does he try and move like he did first time with Mark Efron? But that's going to be a tough task. I, I just think Denzel's got to be himself, roll the dice, take some gambles, and what will be will be. But he's, I'll tell you what, he's not going to die wondering, is he, Denzel? Now, I, I'm with you. I think he's got to go basically shit for busting this fight. Um, you know what? I'm wondering, you wonder why he's taking, as I said the other week, he's had this dream, as I said to you, John, the other week on here, to always own a house or a flat in Battersea Village. And this is going to go a long way towards him doing that. And at the end of the day, kid like Denzel from a council estate in Battersea to, to, to own property in one of the most best areas of London now is a dream come true for him. And good luck to him on Saturday night. That's all I can say. It's a massive ask. But, you know, if, if he's going to get half his mortgage paid, brilliant. I was chatting to Denzel just before he went, so I was on the phone to Martin. And, um, and I said to him, I says. Just remember what um, Lloyd Donegan did. He went over with Don Curry. And Denzel, I didn't realise this. They was at the same amateur gym. Not at the same time, obviously. But, they, they, you know, they were both at Fish, Fisher. Fisher. So I says, take that as, I says, take that as a sign from the stars. I says, because you, you're not a bigger underdog than Lloyd, Lloyd Donegan was against Don Curry. I says, he went over there and absolutely fucking wrecked him and, and met, his, met his whole future. So... Yeah. I says, take that. I didn't know he was from the same amateur gym. I says, take that as a sign from the stars that it's your day. What would you do, Johnny? You've got Denzel. He can punch. He's game as anything. He's athletic. How would you approach this if you were in the corner? Do you know what? I'd just say to him, gamble. Because the longer you let the established guy and the, and the more kind of experienced guy into the fight, the less chance you've got of catching him cold. And if you can punch... You don't have to knock him out in the first round, but if you can break a nose or cut an eye or maybe make him a little bit wary, you've got a chance. If somebody eases into a fight who's quality, they get their timing, they get their confidence, they, they get everything. And within three rounds, you suddenly find out this is why he's already there and I've allowed him to get going. I say just go at him. If Denzel loses on points, if Denzel loses in the ninth round or if Denzel loses in the second round, he's lost the fight. Go for it early. Go at him and gamble. Yeah. Uh, round two, John, one of your topics. And uh, one of the, the Marmite fighters of British boxing, Sonny Edwards, who fights or defends his IBF title, flyweight title against Felix Alvarado on uh, Friday night. Uh, yes, yeah, Sonny. I, uh, I kind of know Sonny quite well. He's been to our gym sparring and stuff. We've, um, after, he fought Brett Fighter when I think it was his second fight. And um, Brett gives everyone trouble. Brett gives everyone trouble. And Sonny literally stood him on his head. And I was super impressed. It was his second fight. He handled Brett. Even, and then the funny thing was, and he, he, he won't mind me saying it, Charlie might. We got out of the ring and we says, I says, well done. I says, you're a real prospect, you are. And Charlie come over. He was there watching Sonny. It was up in Scotland, I think. And Brett had boxed Charlie. And he turned around and he went, you're good. He says, but your brother's better. And like, Sonny's got this big smile on his face. And Brett's just like saying he, how he does, exactly how he is. And Charlie was like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, he is good. He went, no, no. He said, I'm not being funny. He says, you're very good. He says, but your brother's better. 
And I was like, oh, man, what do I say here? <laughs> so, and then we got to know Sonny. He come to the gym for some sparring. Because even though he handled Brett really nicely, Brett gave him a good test. And I've watched him. And do you know what? If you look at Sonny from the outside, you think, well, he's not, he's not like the most imposing. He's certainly not a big puncher. Um, you know, he's there to be beat with, with a high work rate or plenty of... And he's just not there to be beat. His footwork's so good. His confidence is so high. That he gets in there with guys that should be giving him trouble or even maybe beating them, and he doesn't lose a round. And you know, it's when he gets in with guys slightly lesser than him. I think he switches off a bit. Marcel Braithwaite had him over when he kind of switched off. But I think against the better guys, Sonny's got his style perfect. He's not trying to be a puncher, he's not trying to be anything that doesn't suit him. And his style works perfectly for him. And I just like watching. I like watching people who are good at what they do. Doesn't matter what it is, whether it's like an artist or a singer. I like watching people who are good at what they do. And Sonny is very, very good at what he does. You know, so I like watching him. He's got this controversial personality online, but he's a nice kid in person, yeah. and, and he's good at what he does. Yeah, I, I agree. I tell you what, I think my this guy might be being. Um written off a bit too easily. He's, he won his title in Philippines, I think. He defended it in Japan, so right, yeah. he's not bothered about travelling abroad. He can punch a bit. But if Sonny's on his game, you would expect Sonny to handle him. And Sonny will feel a threat. So like you just said, John, he should be banged on his game. Yeah, I, I, I think, think so. Sorry, John. No, yeah, I, think, so. I just think Sonny's one of those fighters that the way he is at the moment, it's going to take a hell of a fighter that beat him. He's the sort of fighter that will get beat as he ages a little bit when his feet get a bit slower and he's a bit more in range, that's when he'll get beat. But at this moment, for the next 18 months, two years, he won't be beat. Uh-huh. Anyway, round three, um, I want to talk about, um, you know, how we keep um, fighters relevant. And Eddie's bigging up AJ versus Deontay Wilder now. Now, do you think, John, you know, I just wanted your opinion on it. You know, you, you've been around boxing on, on that side of the fence longer than most, most people. When, when someone like Eddie is talking of AJ Deontay, is he talking about really wanting to make that fight next? Because he hasn't been keen on it till about a week ago. Or is he just trying to keep AJ relevant when he's out in Abu Dhabi and that sort of thing? Or maybe it's the cynic in me. I think there's a lot more of that, of wanting to keep him relevant. Because it's not a fight he's shown interest in. Eddie Hearn and um, Shelley Finkel well, pretty much seem to detest each other from what they say about each other in the media. I just wonder if Eddie's being genuine about making that fight. What, what do you think when, generally, John, when a, when a promoter makes those sort of calls? I, I agree with you, Steve, but there's also a third option. Go on. Has he got no other choice? Is it the only fight on the table that makes sense? Is it the only fight on the table that can be made to a certain level? So I agree with you, and I think he might be talking about it for the relevance, but also the third option might be that there's no other choice out there. And, you know, when someone's... If someone's making 30 grand, they don't want to make a grand. If someone's making 30 million, they don't want to make a million. You get used to a certain lifestyle and a certain payday and a certain relevance. So is Eddie having to be make a fight that he might not want to make, or is he talking about it to keep him relevant? I, I agree with you, Steve, but the third choice is also there it might be the only option. Yeah, yeah. But if you look at all the titles possibly being tied up, Fury's going to have to deal with Usyk and then probably Joyce with Joyce, the WBO right. situation. The white fights dipped in um, importance because the way Fury dealt with Dillian, hasn't it? 
So, yeah, maybe next September, Joshua Wilder is the only big money fight in town. You can't see Joshua going in with Joyce, can you, or anything like that. So maybe it is Joshua Wilder, maybe yeah. next September, and we're laying the groundwork already. And also, like you say, um, they seem to kind of genuinely dislike each other. But Eddie's kind of done the impossible. He's, lo- he's brought a lot of these promoters together, but yeah. they all dislike him. <laughs> so perhaps they are actually banding together to try and really turn him over. That that could also be why it's the only choice. Like you've suddenly seen sworn enemies for years standing there going, well, we don't like each other still, but we dislike Eddie more, so we'll gang up on him. Do you know what I mean? I'll tell you what, that's a great... I remember once when Frank Warren tried his luck in America with Showbox, and I think when Frank was doing it, you know, it was so hard working against all the American promoters. They literally ganged up. It's like you'll almost get, you know, Heyman and Heyman and Top Rank working together if they could get Eddie out of the country. And I think it was Frank, I apologize, who went there and had some shows and found it really hard operating because no one would let their fighters fight on these shows. Yeah, they close ranks, <laughs> don't they, and get yeah. rid of Round four, John, John Evans, it's one I think you've mentioned before about boxing shooting itself in the foot. Yeah, I think boxing shooting itself in the foot at the minute. We need big fights, we need big events, and we need big characters in, in big events, I think. And the failure to get Spence and Crawford done, um, Joshua Fury was always a bit of a long shot, I think, but that falling apart. Tank Davis and Garcia seemingly want to fight each other, but the stupid um, TV deals and that won't work together to get things done. Steve Lillis against fights. Steve Bunch. Sorry, mate. Steve Lillis against Steve Bunch. We've all been Steve waiting Steve Bunch, yeah. Don't seem to happen. <laughs> I'm Team Lillis, by the way. Oh, he'll, 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 he'll fall so, out with you, mate. He's got stamina, Lillis, and he's a marathon runner. He'll fall out with you now. I'm, I've got to speak to Buncey tomorrow. He's not going to... He is going to be texting you tomorrow, <laughs> mate. But I, I just think that's three big, massive fights with big characters who could be superstars in the sport. And they're just being let down by... Powers outside the ring. We always say if two fighters want to fight, it'll happen. But from what we're hearing, Spence and Crawford wanted to fight. Garcia and Davis wanted to fight. We think Joshua wanted to fight, don't we, from rumours that we, we get told. And it's just that the sport is just shooting itself in the foot, I think, by not letting these things happen. No, I totally agree. Totally agree. And the more the sport becomes business, the less it becomes boxing. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know what annoys me. You know, you know, as a lover of boxing, you know, ever since I, you know, bloody, hell, I was, I think I was twelve when I went to my first show at Manor Place Barbs, nineteen seventy four. Um, Albert Hillman was top of the bill. It was John uh, L. Sullivan when you was BA, BA. You know what? What really winds me up, and maybe it's that tribal in me because I'm a big football fan. So you, all football fans are a bit tribal. What really winds me up is when UFC fans get along saying, well, we're doing the best fight, the best. It don't happen in boxing. I'm not an MMA fan. And that really riles me, actually. <clears throat> really John, makes John, me angry. What, John, you've been on the inside. What do you make of the fans these days who seem to get the scarves and rattles out for promoters rather than fighters? What, what do you make of this side of things at the minute? It's just, it's, you know Pathetic. what? It's the, it's the social media effects. Everyone seems to have to be on a team. Like, yeah. even... Like, you know, yeah. Love Island and people like that are on team so-and-so. Even even House of Dragon, which is like a medieval fantasy program. You've got team green and team black. People feel the need to be on a team. No one can be an individual and just like who they like. So they And because they've got promoters coming down their throats on social media, they pick one and they support them. It's just that people need to be on a team nowadays. 
Time. Round five, John. It was something... Um, last time you was on, you were talking about matchmaking. The first time you were on, it was just as COVID was on and now the struggles cost the guys hadn't renewed licenses. Last time you was on, you mentioned that in a month or two, you could see it improving. How is it now, matchmaking? Did it get easier like you thought it would or is it still... And, and do you know what, do you know what Steve? It's, it's got easier in some places. Like, if you look at mine and Tommy Owen shows... Our shows, uh, we're using hardly any expensive foreign boxers. We're matching lads up against each other. Um, people are willing to have proper fights, and they're getting on with it. Now, if you look at some of the other shows, especially TV, people, coaches, next-door neighbours, you know, everyone, people are turning down good, solid fights because they've got used to being able to pick and choose the foreigner that the one that isn't going to try very hard. And unfortunately... Some TV fighters, because there's not enough TV dates, they will drop back onto a small all show. But then they're demanding the same thing and turning down perfectly good fights. And I'm just, if you want it to be easier, it is, trust me, because I've got a show this weekend, six fights, all against British level opposition. Last uh, Two weeks ago, I had a show where uh, an away guy come and won. He's going to box on my yeah, show. Jay on the Osgood. Yeah, Jay Osgood. Jay Osgood. The 25th, I've got, I think, nine fights on. So far, I might need one foreign boxer. You know, but then you look on some of the London shows, some of the TV shows, you can't spot an English name on the away side. So it's easy if you want it to be because people want the work and they're ready to go and people are ready to have better fights. But also, some people have been spoiled in the lockdown by being on TV. And so you can see both sides of it. And I've stopped matchmaking in some places because I've had enough yeah. of the absolute bullshit, I'll be honest. You know what I mean? And now I'm matchmaking how I want to match, where you might have an away win, but the, the fights are good. And I sit down. Peter Fury is one on one of my shows, and he sat and watched every fight. And he went, yeah. I've enjoyed this more than some of the big shows, because they were well-matched and lads were having a proper fight. You know what I mean? Don, have, you, have you noticed the scene uh, we talked about this last week? Jordan Granham said something in an interview. He said, uh, there's so many white collars turning over now who can't fight. And a few of these established journeymen are starting feeling a bit disrespected by it and they're deliberately turning them over. Have you noticed a bit of a change in the attitude of some of these uh, well-established journeymen? I haven't noticed it because if you chat to any of the journeymen and Jordan Granham had an absolute war on one of my shows, when the journeymen come to my shows and they say, they're trying to say, oh, I say, don't give me any of that bollocks. You ask them, ask Poochie, Jordan. You look, they've all had wins on my shows or really yeah. good fights. Because I say to him, if my guy can't beat you with home advantage, he better learn. I say, so you fucking beat him if you can beat him. And that's why there's good fights on my shows. And that's why my lads learn how to fight. Because I don't ask for that bullshit. I don't like kind of, oh, you know, he's got a bad leg. Take it a bit easy tonight. You know, Steve, you've been getting closer to this. I don't yeah. ask for that fucking bullshit. And the lads learn to fight. You ask Jordan. Jordan actually says to me that night when he boxed at the H Suite, oh, what's this kid like? Do you want me to move around? I went, no, he's not a bad kid. If you try doing that, he'll knock your head off. And Jordan wobbled him in the third round and they had a real war and it was a great fight and the kid learned loads. Jordan, come out the ring, ask him. He, he won't mind me saying this. He come out the ring, he went, I really enjoyed that. He said, I had a proper fight for the first time in ages. I really enjoyed it. And I says, even though you're here to do a job, I says, you've still got to have pride in what you're doing. I says, otherwise you'll end up packing up. I said, you've got to enjoy it. And that's what I encourage all the other way guys to do. Do you yeah. think, John, just... Oh, can I just ask John one question? Yeah, yeah, course, John, John, I know you get me angry at her. John, do you think it helps you matching your kids as you do by only having one or two trainers working, not working for you, working with your boxers? 
Uh, I think that does help. And also, even when I work, like I work with some lads in Coventry, River Wilson bench trainer, Lee Spare, uh, Sean Cogan, and the guys I work with are like me. They, they, they want their guys to fight and they want them to learn. And they've seen how the best of my gym have done it. So they follow their example. And the ones that don't, I just choose not to work with. There's enough good lads and good trainers who want to do it that way. So, you know, I'm lucky that I'm at the point where we're putting good shows on. I can choose to work with people who appreciate real fights and what it does for their fighters. Thanks, Shad. I wanted to ask you that tonight. I know we went over, John. Don't get angry there, Mr. Evans. <laughs> right, round six, final round. A quick three minutes here. Zelfa Barrett. Um, speaking to Steve Wood today, he was definitely a perforated eardrum. He was in a lot of agony on the plane on the way home. Also, his Achilles may have gone again. His calf's very tight. But they don't know. When they went to the hospital in um, Abu Dhabi, they were more interested in giving him a CAT scan and everything else that was wrong with him. I just think the other night, just looking at him, I just think Zilfa Barrett will be a much better at lightweight. I thought he should have moved up before. I know they say they did, did the weight comfortable. I think he should move up now, whatever. I just wanted to see what you guys thought of that, think of that, or whether he should stay there. John Evans, John uh, Peg first. Do you know what? Um, when someone gets an injury... Sometimes it's just an injury. Sometimes your body's got the wear and tear of making weight. If that's the case, move up. But you know what? It's like it's it's really annoying because Pat Barrett was one of my favourite fighters and he's a good friend. And he moved up at the wrong time. And I think he lost because of that. Yeah, to Manny and Galloway, Zelfa, yeah. Yeah, and Zelfa stayed down. And as he lost because of that, it's just so fucking annoying. And, you know, I'm hoping that Zelfa don't end up like his Uncle Pat and be one of those super talented fighters who didn't pick up a world title belt when people who were nowhere near as good as him did. Yeah. And I'm just hoping that he gets yeah. it right because did Pat go up at the wrong time and Zelfa stayed there? You, I think you might be right because he's a big kid for the weight. Yeah. And he's he's been that weight for a long time. And your body grows and you don't realise when you're making weight. And all of a sudden, that extra pound or two just takes that bit out that, that was there before. Do you know what I mean? So you might be right, Steve. Yeah, I think he Zelfa lives it as well, doesn't he? He's yeah. never more than... He's a big lad, but he's never out of shape. And having he probably has to battle all the time to, to stay within the weight range. And he might have grown. He might have just yeah. outgrown it. And he's just battled it down, but not realised that it took that bit extra out of him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I was in the gym with him a couple of weeks before he fought Ronnie Clark. And he was doing the weight completely wrong. He was doing a big sweat session two weeks before, dumping weight off. I think he does the weight properly now. But I think it's difficult for him. And like you say, he's, look at his shoulders. He's a big angular lad, isn't he? You know, if he'd been a lightweight for two years, can you imagine that That's just for two years of being able to eat that little bit more, carry that weight, bulking up? Because he, he looked he's a all... tremendous fighter for six rounds there, didn't yeah. he? He's also he really at the age the now. He's also at the age where he might have just naturally filled, that, right. filled out a touch. Yes, no. yeah. And it only takes a touch. It only takes an inch on your waist, half an inch on your chest. Suddenly that's three pounds. And to a fighter who's done it perfectly, three pounds is like a stone to a normal person. Yeah. So you might be right, and let's hope that it hasn't affected him too much that he can move up and still be ready to go. Do you know what I mean? Problem is, lightweight is a super featherweight's open, but lightweight is shark tank, yeah. isn't it? And yeah, he, I, we always think Zelfa's young, but he's twenty nine. Yeah. So it, this is a, yeah. it's a real important time now. He's got to make the right decision, I think. Yeah. If you think if you think Zelfa's uh, young at twenty nine, he's the same age as Sam Eggington. Crazy, isn't it? That, would you? <laughs> Sam, mate. What a worry. Before we let you go, John, and we were there. We ended around now. How is Sam? What can we expect from Sam now? He's back from Oz. 
He wants to go again. He just says yeah. he says he will never travel again any more than like two or three days because he missed his kids too much. He says, he says, get me a big fight. And he says, and I'll show him what's what. He says, I'm ready to go. He's, he just simply, he says, I knew it was not right. He says, but all I was thinking about, I'm on the plane tomorrow. I can see my kids. He says, that's all that was on his mind. And he's very much a family man. But, you know, the Australians were paying too much not to go. We knew it was a bit of a risk because he's not that way inclined. We've turned down fights before because he doesn't want to be away from the kids. But the, what they were paying, he had to go and he lost the split decision. It was fair enough, couldn't argue. But Sam will come again. He's got, he's got, a, he's got about a year left, I think. You know, pe- people are Sam's style. 30-31, they start to feel it. Let's have a good last year with him, maybe a year and a half. And let's see if we can get one more fight of the year out of him because I still think he's got one more in the tank. Yeah, your job, I guess, now is in that year and a half without taking, you know, mega dangerous risks, amass him as much money as you can. Well, to be fair, um, Steve, he's made more money since um, since Ted Cheeseman than any other 10 fights in his career, let alone really? five. So, you know, I think people are finally recognising what he brings to the to the table and he's getting paid accordingly. And because he's kind of ticked every box he's ever wanted to t- achieve, we can be a bit more choosy now. We're yeah. not, the ambition have all been filled. Now we can be a bit more choosy. We don't have to take points to climb a step up the ladder. He's already been at the top of the ladder. So now we can be smart and we can pick the ones that suits him. And if anyone deserves a little bit of fun and a bit of an easier career at the end of yeah. it, it's definitely Sam Eggington. Definitely. Definitely. Well, John, thanks for joining us tonight at the from the live from the Birmingham. These, guys. You get back to your um your 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 um I don't know whether they're lovey pals in your film world <laughs> or what. You know, I'm yeah, not was, sure. You know, why, why did you think I looked like this? <laughs> Come here, you know, impressed. You you know what? You got that bit of a you know North London Islet and Chapel look about you tonight. Yeah, well, it's, it's not working. I've still got a brummy accent, though. Ain't <laughs> John, thanks very much for joining us. John Evans, thanks as always. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Some great insight from John Pug there. John Evans on top form, as, as always. Thank you very much. For all boxing, info, news, and latest interviews, Amateur and Pro, across and off, click and subscribe. VIP, boxing promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.